Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Outlier Academy's Playbook Series, where each week we sit down with an elite performer from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors to dive into the tactics, routines, and habits that got them to the top of their game, all in less than 30 minutes. I'm Daniel Scrivener, and on the show today, I sit down with Jessica Schaefer, founder of Bevel, for a masterclass in PR, because I'm embarrassed to admit that despite being a part of multiple companies making brilliant use of PR, I don't know the first thing about it. So I thought I would sit down with an expert and get up to speed. And there's no one better than Jessica Schaefer. She started her career at Stephen Cohen's Point72 Ventures before founding Bevel and becoming the chief communications officer of Acorns. And as you'll hear, she's taken a very different approach to building a PR firm. You can find the full show notes for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 87, including links to everything we cover. For more from Jessica, you can follow her on Twitter at jfran underscore PR. You can also find more about Bevel at bevelpr.com or at bevelpr on Twitter. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Jessica Schaefer of Bevel. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on 20 Minute Playbook. I'm really excited about this. Thanks for having me. So to start, you know, because we just did a, a full length interview on Infinite Games, just for anyone listening that maybe hasn't listened to that yet, isn't aware of who you are, can you just give everybody a quick overview of what you do and what you're building, what you're working on today? Sure. So I founded Bevel. We're a strategic communications firm for venture capital funds and high growth brands. And I started my career actually at an agency, even though I never wanted to go into PR. Did my MBA in finance and, you know, everyone was like, you can't go into investment banking. You have so much personality. And so I thought, hmm, okay, well, PR is fun. I will say that. And I ended up working at Moody's. And then after Moody's, I went to Point72, which is Steve Cohen's $20 billion fund. And the rest is sort of history. And now you've got incredible clients like public.com, Lily, I'm sure I'm blanking on other names. Anyone else you would highlight? Acorns. We work with Alan Patrickhoff. He started Venture Capital. So he's somebody I love to work with because he's 86 and he's seen it all. And so anytime I have any sort of a crisis, I mean, COVID, for example, when it first happened, every single client was like, ah, you know, PR is an expense. And they thought, well, we're not going to need PR during COVID. And uh, he's like, honey, watch your balance sheet like a hawk. (laughs) (laughs) That's good advice. (laughs) Yeah. And then he told me never waste a crisis. And so I really took that back and thought about what that meant for Bevel. And it meant two things. One, investing in real estate. And so we got office space at like 80% off in Soho, which was pretty amazing. And uh, the second was talent. There are a lot of really talented people who are just sitting at their computer sort of bored. And uh, we came in and hired a lot of them. So, Wow. It's incredible. <laughs> it's an incredible story. And that <laughs> what a good piece of advice. I feel like that's the perfect piece of advice an 86-year-old that had seen so much would give somebody. <laughs> yeah. For Never sure. let a crisis go to waste. Okay. Let's get started. What have you been fascinated about recently? And this can be as dumb and small, as big and interesting, as weird as you like. What can't you stop thinking about? Well, I tend to have an obsessive personality on everything. That's just the nature, I guess, of being a founder. But um, one thing I've been hyper-focused on, at least internally, is talent and culture. And surprisingly, I'm going to knock on the table, (laughs) even though it's 
the great resignation, we haven't lost anyone. And um, it wasn't always like that. There was a point in time when, you know, we were growing faster than we ever anticipated. I put a lot of work on the team. I was also traveling a lot. I wasn't fully present. I was saying anything I was doing and it had its impact and we lost quite a few people. And within the past year and a half, we haven't lost anyone and we've been in full growth mode. And I find it sort of interesting, but I'm also very happy that some of the intentional work we did to make sure the team is really happy that we're investing a lot in culture. And I don't mean money, but the time. Yeah. So we started mental health days and we've always had unlimited PTO. But it was more than that. Even for the holidays, we did this thing called 10 Days of Gratitude, where every single day we gave the employees some sort of like a gift or we announced a new initiative to benefit them. So we started a professional development program and we're investing in each and every one of our employees. And I think that's important. And not a lot of companies are doing that. And so somebody calls from Amazon and says, hey, we're going to offer you $150,000 more. If you're not happy, then of course you're going to leave. Well, and that's the work too, where that's the true hard work is setting aside 10 days and be like, no, we're going to work really hard to accomplish 10 things that are amazing, <laughs> release them every single day. Yeah. And as you said, it's not even just the financial piece. It's just that you're putting in the effort, which I think honestly checks a big box for a lot of people. And then on the layman side, I'll just say space. So I become obsessed with space. We've always been, <laughs> we've always been focused on fintech and tech. That's been our core. And so this year we're intentionally signing companies that are either in space or going to space. So I've had a lot of conversations with JPL, NASA, and uh, the Explore Space Fund. So more to come there. I would not have, uh, that wouldn't have been one of my guesses <laughs> where you would be spending your time, but I think that's amazing. When you think about your superpowers, what are they and how do you harness them daily? I don't know if you have this friend in your life who can sort of just convince you to do anything. And usually it's a friend, right? I can convince strangers to do anything. So I'm a very quick friend, a, a very quick best friend. And I've found that I'm able to earn people's trust really quickly. It's also one of the values of Bevel is loyalty, accountability. And so I would say the most like impressive, innovative people who are much more successful than me for whatever reason tend to trust me down to, you know, an employee that we just hired yesterday. And so I have this, I don't know if it's a convincing power or something, but I've always had it since I was little. Like I was that little girl on the playground who could convince everyone to like follow me around. All the other kids. Yeah. <laughs> to do whatever you wanted to do, whatever game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where you were in charge. Um, exactly. On the flip side, what do you struggle with and how have you improved or resigned yourself <laughs> to deal with that over time? So I really struggle with, I guess, saying no, but also I have this sort of guilt when people reach out to me and I can't respond right away. So whether it's text or Slack or a call, and as the company became more successful and my career became more successful, I just had so many people externally trying to take up my time. And I found that it wasn't healthy for me, but it also wasn't healthy for any of my personal relationships. And 
I've had to become very intentional about setting boundaries. I started working with an executive coach almost a year and a half ago now because I was completely miserable, to be honest. It was just like constant pinging from somewhere. And I've gotten much better at, you know, ignoring people. That's a good skill. For the executive coach, you know, I have to ask about that because, you know, I've worked with a few coaches and each one's been very different. Are there intentional things you've worked on together? And what's maybe one or two big ahas that you've gotten out of the last 18 months? Sure. So really optimizing my time. I was finding that everyone else owned my time except for me. And that's not a great place to be in. I would tend to be extremely frustrated and angry and just like a lot of feelings that you shouldn't have. And he sort of reminded me, there's a reason it's your calendar and it's your day, right? Like people usually say to you, enjoy your day. And you would enjoy it if you could decide what you did during the day. But, you know, my calendar was filling up with all these meetings. And so now every single, you know, before I go into any week, I really study with my executive assistant. What does my calendar look like? Do I need to be in those meetings? How do I build in time for myself and for my family and for my friends? And just make sure that I'm balanced and I'm not, you know, 95% turned on work mode. Yeah, I love, I mean, it's so simple, but someone just saying stuff like, it should be your calendar. It's <laughs> sometimes really profound. Right. Like, wow, I mean, it's your right. calendar. Like reoccurring meeting. Half of the time, no, you don't need to have a reoccurring meeting. Yeah, so. yeah. We, that's a whole separate topic. Is reoccurring meetings? <laughs> that's a whole separate topic. <laughs> and the fact that typically they're never set to end ever. They just would go on, you know, for a hundred years unless <laughs> somebody took them off the calendar. What talking about habits and routines? You talked about this a second ago, just in a little way. Where obviously at the beginning of each week or before the start of a new week, you're looking over your calendar. Are there other habits and routines that you try to fit in, whether that's daily or weekly, that have had a positive impact on your life, your performance? So three times a week, I try to, this is also simple, but simple works, hike in a park or go for a walk before I start my day, whether I'm in New York or if I'm in California, makes it a little bit easier and the parks are a little bit nicer. But I try to be very intentional about how much time I spend outside. I love to hike. I love to ski. And then I always work out at 7 a.m. I do Tracy Anderson. It's sort of, I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's this like dancing fitness. It's super fun. It makes me less angry. I think if I have to deal with anything that's stressful or I think just by nature of building your company, you know, you, there's a lot of different stressors and there's a lot of people who need your attention. And I want to be able to show up for anyone who reaches out to me just with a peace and calm mindset. I think that's something you realize over time, too, is the more successful you become, the more, I don't know, any random crazy thing can show up in a given day. <laughs> you could be dealing with a catastrophe today, something weird, unexpected next week. And yeah, to your point, you always want to approach that the right way. And especially in PR, I mean, Many of the things are outside of your control. And so just because, you know, someone's valuation decreased or the stock price decreased or the product didn't launch in time, that kind of stress should never upset my day or my team's day for that matter. There's a lot of uh, prices decreasing going on at the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're, in, we're in that period. 
You talked about hiking and being outside peace, which I definitely relate to because that's big for me. I don't just like something just about sunlight and fresh air outside. That's amazing. Are there other things around diet or sleep that you've experimented with or tried over time? Or is it just kind of the, the simple three hikes a week? I always go to sleep around 11 and I wake up at six every single day. I find that when my schedule is sort of disrupted, at least in sleep, it really impacts me. I used to be somebody before the pandemic, I was always on a plane, I was always in a different time zone. And I became, you know, just unhealthy and exhausted and puffy. I looked very puffy. If you knew me two years ago, you would know Lots what of I inflammation. was talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's a thing when you're stressed and not eating well and not sleeping well and traveling. And, yeah, your yeah. body inflames. I was like the little doughboy. <laughs> we haven't talked about this, so I don't know how much you read, what you like to read, but are there any books, this can also just be authors or thinkers that have had a big impact on the way you think? So we have a book club, Bevel Books and Bourbon, and we invite all of the authors to come in and actually take you through the premise for their book and the reasons for writing. I have to do a shameless plug for Alan Patrickoff because he's coming out with a book, No Red Lights. And for those who know him or who don't know him, he is a legendary venture capitalist who is coined as having started the VC industry. And he invested in AOL, Huffington Post, Wondery, which was just bought by Amazon. And it'll go through his entire life. So I think it'll be a good read. That's super cool. I think I actually that just showed up on Amazon. Is it out yet or is it pre-order? Pre-order, but limited. So you should order now. There we go. There we go. Okay. We'll link to that in the show notes. And I'm definitely curious to check it out. One question that we always ask people, and this is a little bit of a weird one, is if they can share a favorite failure. And part of the reason we want to ask that question is just to have more people talking about stuff that didn't work out, to try to normalize that. But then the other piece of that is, you know, when I've reflected on my own life, a lot of the best things that have happened have come after a failure or out of a failure. So when you think about that, is there a favorite failure that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, this is a personal one, but there was a time, and I've already alluded to this, when I really wasn't prioritizing myself. As a female in fintech, I was getting invited to every single event and dinner and ski and this and that and whatever, and I would always go. I was trying to build my company. I put everything into it, and I went on this venture capital and founder ski trip in Chamonix in France. I was exhausted and I've been skiing since I was three. I love to ski. I ended up getting in a very serious accident with a drunk snowboarder who hit me, but normally I would have been able to stop and I didn't, I couldn't stop. And I broke six of my ribs, my lung collapsed and I broke and fractured my shoulder. So, you know, I broke every single bone in my body to get it over with. But the point was, it was a real, you know, moment of pause, both physically and literally, where after that, I was just like, I can't keep going at this pace. And so that moment, combined with COVID, which forced everyone to sort of sit home and really reflect on their lives was important for me. It's a crazy story. How long did it take you to recover from that? (laughs) Well, it took about six months, I came back in a wheelchair. And I'm fine now, but I think there were certain clients I worked with who also in that time period sort of 
showed who they really were because they still wanted whatever it was to go out, you know, which is a little bit crazy. And I became much more intentional and selective with who I surround myself with, even if it meant letting go of, you know, a significant amount of revenue. Yeah. That's an important, important lesson. On the flip side of that, you know, when you think about success, and this can be personally, this can be at Bevel. We've talked a lot about Bevel, and you know, I think what you're building there is really incredible. But when you think about success, what does success mean to you now, and how has that definition changed over time? So when I started Bevel, it was interesting. I didn't do this on purpose, but I ended up hiring a lot of women, and a lot of women who had never been put in a position of power and able to make decisions and negotiate for equity and all those sorts of things. So I love working with minorities and women and anyone who's really just talented and developing them and giving them the confidence they need to go into any room. And that's one of my favorite things about growing the firm. So cool. And we need a lot more of that in the world. So that's good. (laughs) It's good you're doing your part. (laughs) On the last question, on the gratitude side, what are you most grateful for in this phase of your life? I am super grateful for all of my friends and family who actually stuck around. There was a time when I wouldn't, I didn't return their phone calls. I would go to things and I wasn't fully there and They supported me and they knew I was a very ambitious person. And so, you know, I'm thankful they're just still around, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's one of the great things about family and friends. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they do. They do tend to stick around. So I know people can go and find Bevel at BevelPR.com. Is that right? Yep. Not .co? Okay. And then what is your Instagram handle? Because I know that you do a lot with Instagram stories. (laughs) So like a typical publicist, it's jfran underscore PR. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to watch my adventures and some of the things we do for our clients, you can either follow me or you can follow Bevel PR. But it's a good follow. I just started taking stand-up comedy classes. So yes. some of that content is on there as well. <laughs> That's your main outlet for sharing that with the world. It is. <laughs> it's Instagram <Yeah>. stories. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the time, Jessica. It's been awesome to have you on 20 Minute Playbook. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to everything we covered, as well as the show notes and transcript for this episode at outlieracademy.com slash 87. For more from Jessica Schaefer, listen to episode 84, where Jessica joins me on our Spotlight series to go deep on PR, from when to start investing in it to why it matters, how it compares to traditional advertising for user acquisition, and why every company needs a steady drumbeat of stories around two to three important values and themes. You can find more incredible interviews with the founders of Superhuman, Levels, Rally, Common Stock, and Primal Kitchen, as well as best-selling authors and the world's smartest investors at outlieracademy.com. You can also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. On our channel, you'll find all of our full-length episodes, as well as our favorite short clips from every episode, including this one. From our entire team at Outlier Academy, we hope you enjoy the show, and we hope to see you right here next week on Outlier Academy's Playbook Series.